All right, welcome to the Broadcasting Broadcast Show once again. Beautiful city of Chicago. It's raining, <laughs> raining and cloudy. It looks like it's going to storm. But you know what? We can't complain too much because it's been very, very beautiful so far. And the sunshine is, I mean, it, it has been just great. And it's still nice. And if you are able and if you can, if you haven't done it, done it, done so, excuse me, get out there and enjoy the weather. Get out there. Just, you know, I mean, if it's not safe to do so, then, you know, don't do it. But if it's safe to do so and you can get out and enjoy the weather, get out there and enjoy it, no matter what part of the world you're in. Exercise is the key to longevity, not pills, not prescription drugs. Exercise and positive thinking. But my back hurt, George. My my legs hurt. My, my knee is hurting. I, I've got these ailments. I don't know what the hell's going on with my body. What's going on with your body is that for so many years and for so many months, you neglected to exercise. For so many years, so many, uh, you neglected to eat properly. And for so many years, you resisted drinking water. Coke. I want something sweet. I need some Kool-Aid. That shit in the long run will kill you. And then you have to go to the doctor and the doctor is going to prescribe you all kinds of pills with at least a hundred side effects. One hundred side effects to each pill. And then after you start taking the pill, your body is going to get so conditioned to that medication that you're going to have to keep going uh, to get a prescription for that particular kind of medication. You're going to get addicted to that crap that's going to eventually kill you. The medical industry, and I've said this a thousand times, is profitable. It's profitable. They make money keeping you sick. They make money keeping you going to your doctor and he's writing that writing out a prescription for you. Keeping you sick, keeping you and in the long run, I mean, you've seen these commercials on television. You've seen them. I've seen them. Everybody's seen them. Lyrica. It's great. Take it. And then they <laughs> quote out 50 side effects of the drug, meaning that the drug itself will kill you if you don't do the proper things. I mean, putting it in your mouth, swallowing, taking some water, what, what's such a big deal about that? But the drug itself will kill you. You'll get addicted to it eventually. Your body will uh, uh, become used to having that particular drug. And you become addicted and you keep going to the doctor. That's what it's all about. The medical industry is profitable. They're all about making money. Keeping you on prescription drugs, keeping you buying that shit is putting money into their pockets. Folks, you got to wise up. I, I, I remember I, I, we used to stay, I used to stay next door to a guy. Uh, this guy was getting at least 10 to 20 different kinds of medication, medications a week. And they would come 
they would be delivered to him. Uh, I guess the person who was delivering delivering the uh, medication would come and sit it down in front of his front door. Just sit it down. Anybody could have just, you know, uh, picked it up and stole it. Uh, you take it, but 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 fortunately that didn't happen. So you know, one time they mistakenly delivered his medication to me, set it down in front of my front door, and I opened the door. Whoa! What is this? What is this? Oh, this is a this belongs to the guy down the hall. Uh, but I inadvertently opened it, opened up the uh, the bag. It was a bag. It was like a McDonald's bag or something. <laughs> it was a big bag, uh, and I saw all of these different kinds of medications. I'm saying to myself, "What the hell? And this guy's gonna die." I mean, he's got all these medications. 10, 20 different kinds of medication that he has to take every day for whatever the hell he had. And I do emphasize had. Uh, because I think a month later, we were all in, <laughs> we, were in, we were all in the house and we were getting this funny smell. And I thought something had, I thought a mice or rat or something had died in our home, in, you know, where we live. Because it was, the smell was overwhelming, you know, but it wasn't anything like that. The guy who was taking 20 different kinds of medication passed away in his home. And the smell was just, the, the smell of his death was just seeping out into the hallways, into other people's homes. And, and I'm banking, it, it was all that medication that he was taking that killed him. All the side effects. And he lived alone. I don't think he had a family or anything. Uh, but anyway, I guess my point being is, uh, eventually, if you're taking four or five different kinds of medication, you might as well dig your own grave. That shit's not doing anything for you but making you go back and get some more. And every time that doctor fill out a prescription for you, that's money in his or her pocket. Any doctor will tell you, any medical profession professional will tell you that, and I've had some on this show, but I didn't really need anybody to tell me about how profitable uh, the medical industry is. And it's very, very profitable at keeping you sick, keeping you thinking you're going to die if you don't take this pill. Or, or if you don't let me write a prescription. I mean, doctors are cool. I mean, uh, some doctors are very, very cool. I've heard, I, I, I've also heard and read, read that doctors do not know everything. Remember that old saying where, listen to your doctor, they know. What you do, you get yourself, listen to your doctor, of course, but you get yourself two or three other opinions on whatever the condition that you might have. Yes, yeah, some doctors are wrong. Some doctors are, are, will try to keep information from you because they don't want, want you to know certain things about your health or your body. They will keep it from you. So you got to go, and uh, they're just they're human, you know. So you, you have to go and get two or three. Even sometimes you can even look up uh, your symptoms uh, on the Internet. If you online, you can find out what you got and look it up and try to, try to treat it yourself. And basically, uh, a lot of a lot of sickness 
practice you treat with just uh, uh, exercise, yeah. I mean, it, even if you're pain, even if you're painful, still get out there and exercise. Drink water, eat properly. Exercise is the key. If you'd have started exercising early, your knees wouldn't hurt, your back wouldn't hurt, your feet wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't be hard to walk. You wouldn't be sitting in that uh, uh, wheelchair. You wouldn't be ha- having to have that walker. You wouldn't need that cane. It's phenomenal, phenomenal that so many young people, young people, walking around in cane, with, with canes uh, to help them stand up, walking around with uh, walkers and in wheelchairs young people I'm not talking about old people people who are 60 70 80 or 90 these are young people who are 30 and 40 and in some cases 50 and you tell yourself what the hell happened you know it was there's there's some things that's obvious uh, uh sitting in a wheelchair or uh, spinal cord uh dysfunction or something something that can't be helped or you know somebody uh, you know whatever, lost their legs or something. But I think to to avoid a, a wheelchair, you know, or a walker or, or a cane, you have to start off early uh, uh, in your life to exercise. Exercise, drink water, eat properly, think positively. Uh, all of those things play a part in it. Play video games. Keep yourself busy. Keep moving. You can avoid a lot of, of diseases, heart disease, uh, diabetes, certain some some kinds of uh, certain certain cancers. Excuse me, certain cancers you can avoid. Um, you just have to keep yourself together and don't always be ready to take that prescription that that doctor is going to write you. Remember that doctor is. The doctor will not even tell you the side effects of the of the prescription that he's writing you. He's not going to even tell you. He's just going to write it. And he expects you, once you go to the drugstore, wherever you go to pick up your prescriptions, or the doctor, or the hospital, wherever you go, uh, you know, he expects you to read the fine print that comes along with those drugs. Some people don't. Some people don't. Some people don't realize how that drug, particular drug, can kill you. Uh, by its side effects alone, you got to know how to take it. You got to—I mean, you just can't drop it. You just can't open the and drop it down. It, and it's not going to work. But don't get me wrong; I'm not criticizing doctors. Only thing I'm saying is that the medical industry is profitable. They're all about making money. Healthcare is not free in America. It should be. It ought to be. I mean, in some other countries, it's free. I mean, you walk into a doctor with a broken leg, you get fixed up, and there's no bill. I mean, you walk into a doctor's office in, in America uh, with a broken leg, oh, wow, you got a humongous bill. And you're wondering to yourself how you're going to pay it. That, that's, that's one of the reasons why so many people in America are losing their homes, their cars. Kids are losing their uh, college tuition uh, because of medical bills. Medical bills will leave you broke, hungry, and homeless. 
But, you know, uh, when you need care, you need care. And the medical industry, they are such a profitable industry. They don't care if you die. They don't care if you die because if you don't have it, then you, some of them feel that you should die. And they're just going to work on the next crop of fools that walks into their office, offices and write them as many prescriptions as, as they ask for or, or the doctors say is warranted. Because every prescription that that doctor writes, the money goes in his pocket. So it's a profitable industry. If you haven't been been to the hospital in a long time, if you haven't uh, uh, had any prescription drugs, watch out. Your doctor's going to call you. The hospital's going to call you <laughs> because they're not getting any money from you. They want to know what's going on. They're going to say, hey, you better come in. You better come into the office here. And get checked out, you might be dying. You know, so that's that's one of the ways they'll get you in just so they can write you a prescription. And a lot of these doctors work in conjunction with other doctors. Yeah, they work in conjunction with other doctors, other clinics, other hospitals, and if they're seeing and if there's and and a lot of doctors, after they get through writing you a prescription, they will recommend you to another doctor. <laughs> saying that this doctor knows a little bit more about this, so uh, and he's going to write you his prescription, and then he'll probably recommend you to another doctor for something. And they are, they work in conjunction with each other. It's it's an industry. It's a way of getting your money. And uh, look, I'm I'm not, you know, yeah, it's great to have doctors. I'm not. If you're on medication, I would probably say stay on it. Because if you if you abruptly get off of it, things could happen. You know, things could happen. But there is no doubt about it. If you want to get off your medication, if you're taking three or four, five, six different kinds of medication and you want to get off of them, if you feel they're not really doing anything but making you sicker, you have to kind of wean yourself off of them. Don't just abruptly stop taking them because your body has become so used to those particular drugs that if you stop taking them abruptly, serious things might happen to your to your insides. But if you think you can wean yourself off of them, try. And one of the ways of weaning yourself off is exercise, drink water. Water flushes, flushes you out. Water detox you. Water gets rid of a lot of that stuff. But it'll it'll take some time, but it can be done. All right, you've been listening to the George Water Jr. Show off on another tantrum, folks. But I thought it was something that people should know that uh, the medical industry is a profitable one, and they get paid keeping you sick, keeping you sick. And when when a doctor writes you a prescription, he's not going to tell you about the side effects of that pill. Once you go to pick up that uh, uh, those pills at the drugstore or wherever you go to pick up uh, CVS or whatever, wherever you go to pick up your, your medicine, uh, there, there will be a long list of side effects on the side of the drug, on the side of the drugs that you're going to be taking. And, and I've said several times that the side effects will kill you and you'll be dead. And, you know, so, but the, 
But the medical industry, they're going to still get paid. They're going to get paid. All right. Um, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Folks, thanks for tuning in to the show. And uh, um, I'm looking at something on the computer here. It says, Blue Wave rolls towards heartland. This is saying that the Democrats will will take over the House, the House of Representatives, um, in November, on November 6th. In the mail today, we have we got the uh, Board of Elections telling us to vote on November 6th and February 26th. Because February 26th, 2019, that's the mayor's race in the city, in the city of Chicago. Okay? Yeah, we need to change this clown. We need to get Mayor Rahm Emanuel out of there. I mean, because over the weekend, I talked about this yesterday. Over the weekend, we had 71 shootings the weekend. 71 shootings in the city of Chicago. 12 people died. 71 shootings. And Rahm Emanuel has been in office, what, five, six, seven years? And he still can't come up with a strategy or a plan to curb violence in the city of Chicago. He has to go. He has to go and take Eddie Johnson with him. That's the superintendent of police. Take Eddie Johnson with him because these guys are failures when it comes to keeping uh, Chicagoans safe. And there is no other way to say that. And I just heard him today talking about hiring more police. And if you listened to me yesterday on the show, I said hiring more police is good, but hiring more police is no guarantee people are going to stop shooting each other on the south and west sides of the cities. And I do agree I do think most of the shootings and the crime on the south and west sides of Chicago are gang-related. No doubt about that. But some of these thugs can't shoot straight, and that's the bad, and that's the worst thing about it. A lot of them can't shoot straight. So, you know, the bullet might go through someone's window and hit someone's kid, someone's kid who's eating uh, breakfast at the table or sleeping in a bed, you know. You know, so... Uh, some of these bullets, they're not always hitting someone on the street. They're they're going through doors and windows and 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 things like that and killing people as they sleep, as they sit at the table and eat, as they you know watching television or something. A bullet come through the window. We need to, you know, the only thing they've done is make money, and we have a mayor. Mayor race uh, February 26, 2019. We can get rid of Rahm Emanuel. Hey, Chicagoans, let's do it. Let's get a brand new mayor. Let's get somebody in there who can do something about this carnage. City of Chicago, the third largest city in America, and we have the highest crime rate of any other largest city. Matter of fact, we have the highest crime rate of Los Angeles, New York, combined. That's awful. It's really awful to hear uh, about shootings in Chicago on the national news. That means the whole world is knowing that Chicago is a it is the murder capital of the world, if some people want to call it that. Some people don't. I don't call it that I don't because I don't think we are. 
but I do think we need new blood, fresh ideas, new people who can solve things, especially the crime problem in the city of Chicago. Because the mayor, Rahm Emanuel, and this uh, Eddie Johnson, they aren't towing the bucket. It's just not. We need new people. And it's a damn shame that they've been in office for so long. I agree with some of these ministers, uh, some of these um, so-called community leaders. I agree with a few of them. I especially agree with the ones who said, hey, wow, we need a strategy. We need plans. I mean, you you just can't go out and just hire police officers, young police officers, police officers with no experience, and put them in a high crime situation. They could, they, they're gonna run. <laughs> they're gonna run and hide. You, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can put young officers who have never had any experience in some of these high crime neighborhoods because you got these and these thugs. They know how to shoot. And they do not care about killing policemen. This is why I say the city should have had some kind of strategy, plans of bringing down the crime in the city. They have none. They have none. They have zero. Eddie Johnson is doing the superintendent of police in the city of Chicago is collecting a paycheck. What Mayor Rahm Emanuel is doing, building more libraries, beautification of the city. There is no beautification of the city of Chicago if you can't solve the carnage on the west and south sides of the city when you've been mayor uh, five, six, seven years now and want to run again. I don't think he should run again. I think he should just say, call it a day, because he has been a failure as governor, as mayor. Speaking of speaking of governor, Bruce Rauner is still running these nasty attack ads, and they are filled with lies about J.B. Prisker. One of the things about Bruce Rauner, he he did it with Jeannie Ives, uh, his his primary opponent. He did it with Jeannie Ives. He trashed her. He lied on her. And she's a Republican. She, he trashed her. He lied on her. All these nasty uh, ads that weren't true about her. But it worked for him. It worked. And now he's trying to do the same thing with J.B. Prisker. Lying on him. These nasty, filthy, lying ass ads that he's running. Because he is the worst governor in America. It's been stated several times. Yeah, he's trying to cheat and lie his way back into the office in Chicago. Do not vote for this man in the midterms. Vote his ass out to the curb. He's a liar. He's the worst governor ever. Bruce Rauner of Illinois is the liar and the worst governor ever. Vote his ass to the curb. Because he's lying like, like ever on, on uh, J.B. Prisker. Saying the man don't like pets. I mean, 
What has that got to do with running for governor? Matter of fact, he does love pets. This is another lie that uh, that the rounder is telling, telling, and it has nothing to do actually liking or disliking pets. It has nothing to do with running for governor. But he's trying. He's He's trying to pull at your heartstrings, Bruce Rauner. And let's say if he, let's say if Bruce Rauner gets elected, which I doubt, we're going to be in some big trouble because this man is going to be Donald Trump uh, all over again. It's going to be Donald Trump all over again. So um, Chicago. Vote blue. That's it. Blue, go blue all the way. Vote blue. Please don't put that jackass back in. And if he loses, it will be stamped forever in stamped forever in Illinois history that Bruce Rauner was a first-rate failure, a first-rate failure as governor of uh, Illinois. You know so. Um, yeah, so uh, we've got two big dates. We got uh, November 6, 2018, for the midterms, and in, and in Chicago, we have February 26, 2019. And I know some people out there saying, "Well, I'm not gonna vote. I'm not gonna vote." I think it, I feel this way. If you're not gonna vote, why are you in America? Why why are you calling yourself an American? Be a part of something. I know what I'm about to say is not going to convince anybody out there who is adamant about not voting. But when you don't vote, you do yourself and others around you. You do them a disfavor. And when you don't vote, when you have a vote, if you don't vote, your vote will be used to elect a Republican. A no vote is a vote for a Republican. Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you haven't. But let me say this. It's very, very true. If you do not vote, this is why the Republicans are trying to suppress the vote. This is why they don't want you to vote. This is why they're not giving any funding to protect our elections because they know that um, most people will vote. People will vote. And a lot of people who did not vote in the last elections, they are up and for it right now because they see uh, where the um, they see where the country is headed. They see where the country is headed, and uh, they they uh, are going to be getting out there voting blue like like the rest of us, <laughs> voting blue. And uh, the midterms are are a month, three months, two and a half months away uh, from the date of this show, and um, away from the date of this show. And that's not far. That's not far away at all. So folks, put on your walking shoes. Make sure you get 
make sure you get to the um, polling place, drag everybody you can with you who are eligible to vote, and let's do it. Let's do it on November 6th. And I'm hearing so many good things about uh, the blue wave. And I do believe it's, believe it's coming, but I don't want to get too complacent because anything can happen. Just think of 2016 when we thought like hell Hillary was going to win it. Even the media thought that. So I don't want to get too complacent or beside myself. But uh, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. Freedom, this is what I call freedom.
evening. I'm Erin Burnett. Out front tonight, how stupid does Trump think we Americans are? The president's excuse for his embarrassing press conference where he sided with Vladimir Putin over his own intelligence chiefs does not add up. We are learning tonight that driven by fear of resignations in the intelligence community, the president decided that he would say he misspoke during one of the multiple times that he took Putin's side against America's in that press conference. And so, after meeting with top aides today, President Trump read from a prepared statement, offering up, frankly, what seems to be a dog-ate-my-homework excuse on how things went terribly wrong in Helsinki. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. No, it does not. It does not clarify anything. It doesn't even pass the smell test. So let me play for you again what the president said 32 hours ago, what he's just referring to there. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. I don't see any reason why it would be. Okay, so everybody makes mistakes. Trump's explanation that he meant wouldn't instead of would might stand a chance of being plausible, except for a few reasons, one of which is this. That was just one of multiple times in that same press conference that he sided with Russia. Do you hold Russia at all accountable for anything in particular and if so what would you what would you consider them that they are responsible for yes i do i hold uh, both countries responsible i think that the united states has been foolish i think we've all been foolish i will tell you that president putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today look it is what it is this is consistent what he's been with what he's been saying over the past year he said what he meant and he said it again and again the u.s has been foolish putin was strong and powerful in his denials it just makes it a bit absurd to say that the president just misspoke that one time on this whole would wouldn't thing keep in mind if he did misspeak okay this is the other issue that one time and and none of the others where he expressed the same sentiment. He had 28 hours of condemnation from U.S. intelligence and his own party to correct the record. He failed to do so in any of those 28 hours. In fact, during that time, he conducted two interviews with Fox News. He tweeted nine times. His administration released talking points defending his performance at the summit. Not once did the president or his aides in 28 hours try to say that the president of the United States misspoke. Again, in one of the multiple times that he praised Putin and took his side. So the president's explanation does not add up, and neither does his assertion today that he accepts America's intelligence agency conclusion that Russia attacked the American 2016 election. Because today, even when he was reading a prepared script accepting the intelligence community's conclusions, the real Donald Trump reared his head. I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. Uh, There's a lot of people out there. There are a lot of people out there. That is true. But on this particular issue, no. Look, the thing is, and we all know it at this point, is that is what Trump really thinks. Okay? Because he has said it before. 
Maybe there is no hacking. But they always blame Russia. And the reason they blame Russia is because they think they're trying to tarnish me with Russia. I'll go along with Russia. Could have been China. Could have been a lot of different groups. It also could be somebody sitting on their bed that weighs 400 pounds, okay? Maybe it was a 400-pound Russian. U.S. intelligence agencies do not blame other people. They don't talk about how many other people there are on this planet that possibly could have been uh, done this. Now, this is very clear, right? It's Russia, not a 400-pound man, Putin, who is far from that. But the president of the United States is incapable of accepting this because at the very least we know this. He thinks it calls his election victory into question. Caitlin Collins is out front live at the White House tonight. And, Caitlin, you are learning a lot more about the scramble behind the scenes, the meeting at the White House uh, today uh, that the president attended to contain this damage. We are, Aaron. The president's big retreat came after his top national security advisors huddled today to try to figure out how to undo the damage that had been done in that press conference in Helsinki when the president embraced the Russian president over United States intelligence agencies. The Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, the national security advisor John Bolton, and Vice President Mike Pence all huddled in the Situation Room today discussing what it was the president should say to try to clarify or try to fix what they could after there was severe backlash, not just uh, in Helsinki, but also back here in Washington in response to the president's remarks at that press conference after it became quite clear today, Aaron, that a tweet was not going to suffice to fix the damage that had been done here. We saw the president come out. He gave those very scripted remarks saying that it was simply a miscommunication. He said one word when he meant another. But Aaron, of course, if you watched that press conference, it doesn't nullify that the president did embrace Vladimir Putin several times and gave a lot of voice to his denials of election meddling. He did indeed, Caitlin. As you point out, when he came out today, it was scripted, except for when it wasn't, right? And it wasn't just what he said. We've pointed out some of the issues with that, but also what he left out, right? Yeah, quite a stunning contrast in the president's off-the-cuff remarks yesterday when he was asked questions by reporters, was not given any advice by advisors on how to answer those questions. And then today when we saw him sitting there in the cabinet room reading off several sheets of paper, and the cameras, of course, zoomed in on these remarks of the president, and you could see in his classic Sharpie that he uses to mark up papers right there, you can see the president crossing out one line where it said something about bringing people involved in election meddling to justice and adding another line in all caps in a black sharpie that is the president's handwriting to say there was no collusion because of course the president didn't come out today and just say he did believe our intelligence agencies even though he contradicted them in the next breath he had to make clear he got his argument in there that there was no collusion collusion aaron all right thank you very much caitlin uh, pretty stunning i don't know something about seeing that in black and white on the paper after it was prepared what he'd added and what he took out says so much. Out front now, senior political analyst Mark Preston, April Ryan, White House correspondent for American Urban Radio Networks, and Steve Hall, who was the CIA chief of Russia operations and has spent a lot of time in Moscow. Um, thanks to all. So, Mark, uh, look, we now know the president is the one who went in the room and said, I've got this idea, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to say I misspoke. But I'm only going to say I misspoke once, not any of the other times where I expressed uh, pretty much the same sentiment. I mean, I I say this, and I'm not saying it tongue-in-cheek. How stupid does he think we are? 
Well, short answer is that he thinks we're very stupid. And uh, in many ways, you can't argue against that. He has gotten away with this ever since he came down that escalator when he announced his presidency. We have seen him time and time again say one thing uh, that is outrageous, that causes anger. Uh, then he turns around and acts like he never said it. Now, the problem that we're facing right now, Aaron, is that he enjoys an 80% approval rating amongst Republicans. Mm -hmm. So when we're attacking Republicans on Capitol Hill for not doing enough, uh, in many ways, they're flummoxed. They're running scared. They don't know how to deal with Donald Trump. In many ways, he has become a president on his own without any allies, that yeah. the only people that are supporting him right now are those who fear him. And, 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 and the question is here, April, is whether all of this will matter. I mean, you know, you heard Caitlin just go through, right, what he added. There was no collusion, but what he crossed out. And that's what I want to ask you about, right? These are prepared remarks. He goes and he reads them. He was supposed to read uh, one that said uh, anyone involved in that meddling to justice, you know, brought to justice, right? Mm -hmm. And he, he, he mm -hmm. took that out. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, anyone involved in collusion. Yeah. How telling is that? It's very telling. Words matter. And I mean, Aaron, think about this. When the president goes off script, he's rogue and he causes mass pandemonium. Look at what happened in Charlottesville. He went off script. It took him five or six times to, to, to correct it because the nation was in an uproar. Now the world is in an uproar for what he said. When a president speaks, speaks, it's strategic. You have people who go through and vet what the president says at least 20 or so times before it's, it's delivered. And that's in a prior White House. This time the president went off script when he was in Helsinki Monday. This president uh, supported Vladimir Putin, he, he basically uh, said, I trust you without verification. The words of a president are strategic, and the words of the president are important. They shape markets, they create peace, they create war, and they also help with our lives. So when this president goes back and changes it a day later, understanding Republicans and Democrats are upset, and the world community is laughing, and this president says things like, you know, you're unpatriotic for this, People are saying what he did was unpatriotic. He cannot change what he's already done. History is showing it. So, Steve, you know, even when he said, I accept the intelligence community's assessment, he had to add, ad lib, uh, the caveat. And let me just uh, play part of it again for you. I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place could be other people also. And he continued to say there's lots of other people. That is not the conclusion of the intelligence agencies. What's the reaction there? Uh, you know, it can't be anything but, uh, I mean, my, my former colleagues in the intelligence community, not just CIA, but NSA and all these other places that, that also do very important and very difficult work against the Russian target. It's some of the most difficult stuff that we do. And to hear the president, you know, in almost a hostage, you know, letter reading type of situation say, okay, okay, yes, they were right. But then again, there might have been others as well. It's, it's not something that, that increases morale. It's not something that you go home in the evening as an intelligence officer and say, I'm doing really hard stuff, but it's worth it. 
it's really it's it's got to be bad for morale. It's really interesting how you but, put it. Though. But like Aaron, Aaron reading, hold, hold on one second, April. I'm yeah, saying to, mm-hmm. to Steve, like a hostage reading situation. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed extremely uncomfortable reading that. Yeah, and and I think it's also against the backdrop of uh, you know I think there's a lot of people, certainly at least at CIA, who remember him, uh, you know, referring to the agency as you know Nazi-like, uh, and and all of this thing. People don't forget these things, especially the ones who are doing the hardest work, uh, which is against these hard targets like the Russians. And it's just it's just really debilitating. I think. Right, April. Aaron, from day one, this president has had a hard time dealing with the intelligence community. I mean, look at what just happened with uh, General McMaster. He let him go um, because he did not agree with him. And this man is, is, has known the world, traveled the world. He's been in military. He knows intelligence. Then not only that, just, just think about from the moment this president came in. He did not like receiving a book of intelligence every day. He needed bullet points. He didn't want to go through it every day. He didn't want to do what other presidents did. He did not want to accept the intelligence intelligence from the intelligence community to give to him so he could understand the lay of the land of the world. And if he would have read it like a book, he may have been able to change what he did Monday. I mean, Mark, this is the kind of thing that he would ordinarily call fake news, right? Oh, you guys are so fake. You're acting like I I took a line out and you're acting like I added a line. Well, except for now there's camera proof, right? Because he left his notes in front of him and and, and now we can zoom in and you can see, right? There it is. There was no collusion. Um, he he, He added that in. Uh, and then made the point again and again. Here he is. There was no collusion at all. And people have seen that, and they've seen that strongly. The House has already come out very strongly on that. A lot of people have come out strongly on that. Furthermore, as has been stated, and we've stated it previously and on many occasions, uh, no collusion. Is that what this is all about, Mark? I mean, is it really about just that one thing? He feels delegitimized by it, and so he just, that's the only point that he cares about? Yes, 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 yes. And, and can we just stop for a second and, and just, and just kind of laugh at President Trump for the fact that he had to write no collusion down on a piece of paper? Because that he has been saying that over and over again. Well, we know he's not going to forget the point. Right. How could he forget it? Why did he need to write it? But, but, but really on a serious note, right, and I'm just sitting there and, and I'm looking at Steve sitting at that desk who has devoted all his life you know, uh, to try to protect the United States from Russia. And now he's seeing a president absolutely unravel it. And for Republicans out there that might be watching, let's forget about the politics of all this. Let's forget about the policies that he might be pushing. Let's just look at the conduct in office. And if you've got to go and talk about Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush helping to bring down communism to to, to disable the Soviet Union, then you certainly can't be supportive of President Trump. Steve, quickly before we go, we know that part of the reason he did this today was he was afraid of resignations, right? Dan Coates obviously coming out with his own statement without the White House signing off on it, uh, going against the president yesterday. How real is that fear of resignations? I think it must must be significant. I mean, a guy like Dan Coates has got to find himself in a difficult position because, on the one hand, you want to stay there to try to keep the course and to try to make sure that your intelligence collection works and that that whole system functions. But at some point, you also become complicit in it. And I think, really, there, there is a time for people like Coates and others to say, look, we can't abide by this anymore. We really have to make a statement and, and leave. All right. Thank you all very much. Thank you. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You
Why is he constantly projecting onto others what he knows about himself? Ohio Governor John Kasich, a Republican who is no fan of the president, writing, rather than criticizing at King James, we should be celebrating him for his charity work and efforts to help kids. By the way, all around, he's better than Michael Jordan. That's a fact. Well, even Michael Jordan's weighing in, congratulating LeBron for, his, for the work he is doing for his local community. But maybe CNN commentator Keith Boykin, listen to this, summed it up the best with this tweet. In Trump's world, Obama, Kenyon, LeBron James, dumb, Don Lemon, dumb, Maxine Waters, low IQ, black countries, shitholes, black athletes, SOBs, black tenants, unwelcome, black workers, lazy, Central Park Five, guilty, Mexicans, rapists, Muslims, terrorists, Indians, fake, Nazis, wait for it, very fine people. Notice the pattern? This president constantly denigrates people of color and women too. Congressman Maxine Waters, his new favorite target. Maxine Waters, a very low IQ individual. Maxine Waters? A low IQ individual. She is a low IQ individual, Maxine Waters. I said it the other day. I, I mean, honestly, she's somewhere in the mid-60s. Maxine Waters. Very low IQ. Low IQ. But then again, this is the same man who for years tried to deny the legitimacy of America's first black president by questioning over and over and over whether Barack Obama was born in this country. I want him to show his birth certificate. I want him to show his birth certificate. There's something on that birth certificate that he doesn't like. Oh, my God. I brought it up just routinely, and all of a sudden, a lot of facts are emerging, and I'm starting to wonder myself whether or not he was born in this country. I would like to have him show his birth certificate. And can I be honest with you? I hope he can. Because if he can't, if he can't, and if he wasn't born in this country, which is a real possibility, if he doesn't, it's one of the greatest scams in the history of politics. And black athletes who kneel during the national anthem as a form of protest against racism and police brutality, well, they get this disrespect. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag? To say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! This week marks the one-year anniversary of that violent and deadly white nationalist rally in Charlottesville. The one where angry white racists carried torches and shouted anti-Semitic slogans, including, including, Jews will not replace us. The one where Heather Heyer, a 32-year-old young lady, was killed by a bigot who intentionally drove his car through a crowd, a crowd that was there to fight against the hate. But this is how this president famously characterized that. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. The cross burnings are tiki torches. Their white hoods replaced by no hoods and khaki pants. 
These are the very fine people in the president's eyes. And yes, let us not mince words. Let me not mince words here. This president traffics in racism and is fueled by bullying. From keeping children at the border in cages to bullying journalists at every one of his rallies and every chance he gets. President Trump is trying to divide and a divide and conquer strategy here, and here's how it goes. He divides by race and tries to conquer decency by smearing and besmirching the truth and the people who fight to uphold it. I've wondered sometimes, you've seen Chris and I, I've wondered if he is if he will succeed. If the if President Trump, who has his finger on the he's the one who has his finger on the pulse of this country. Is he revealing who we really are? Think about that. Is this who we really are? The overwhelmingly negative response, though, to his unfair and unkind attack on a good man, LeBron James, shows that America rejects what he is peddling. Most of America, anyway. Not all of America. But what about the impact his policies have on those without a platform through sports like LeBron or through media like me? What about those who don't have a voice? What is this presidency doing to them? The kids separated from their parents at the border, the kids who don't have the chance to attend LeBron's school or any halfway decent school, the parents who can't honestly, you can't honestly tell their children to be proud of the president of the United States, the people of color who are attacked by their fellow citizens who feel emboldened to be publicly racist because the president is. Will the country stand up for them? We, the decent and truly patriotic people who really love America and believe in its greatness, have to, because clearly Donald Trump won't. this blue wave thing people are fired up uh 
every corner of the media is saying there's going to be a blue wave, a blue wave, a blue wave. And people are, are fired up. Even uh, people who want voters, supporters who once was in Trump's corner, they are starting to vote Democrat. I mean, you hear a lot of stuff about uh, Donald Trump supporters. You go on Facebook, you see his wild-looking, wild and crazy-looking supporters all over the place. I get sick of looking at, at them. But, and a lot of people are, they scared, scared. But do not be afraid. A blue wave is looking more likely, folks. We could take back the House. We could take back the Senate. And we will throw this jackass out of office. But remember, Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to impeach him. But, hey, Nancy Pelosi may not have her job, period. So she has no decision on that. But if she should be um, reelected or, or, the, or they vote her to be the Speaker of the House for a second, third, or fourth time, whatever, you know, she does not want to impeach Trump. But any, at any rate, at least that's what she stated a few weeks ago, months ago. <coughs> Excuse me. But anyway... Um, the blue wave is looking so much like it's going to happen. And as I've said earlier into the show, we've got about three months, two and a half months, three months, maybe a little over three months. And we get out here and we do our thing. We take back our country by voting blue. November 6th for the midterms. And in Chicago, November, uh, February, excuse me, February 26, 2019, we want to replace this mayor who can't seem to solve crimes, to, uh, uh, the carnage. The, uh, we have to replace him. I mean, six, seven years, I mean, you can't come up with an idea to combat uh, crime in the city of Chicago, then you, gotta, you have to go. As I've said before, they have no strategy. They have no plans. Putting more cops out on the streets without a plan, turning over the chicken, the hen house, to the wolf. You just cannot throw more cops out onto the street without a plan or some sort of strategy of reducing shootings in the city of Chicago. You can't do it. Because these guys and girls, they're, some of these people are in their 20s. In their 20s. And then, you know, they're going to put these people, these young people who are in their 20s, never, ever been in this, this type of situation before, into those high crime areas, those high crime areas on the west and south sides of the city where there are uh, uh, are gangbangers who are so used to shooting and know how to shoot and know when to shoot and know how to escape. You're going to put these young cops over there in this type of environment without a plan or strategy. We have to get these goons out of the uh, uh, city hall in the city in Chicago and put in someone, vote in someone with some new ideas, some fresh ideas, Someone with a commitment to bringing down uh, the crime in the city of Chicago and elsewhere. One other thing, I want to say something about the Chicago. I'm in Chicago. I haven't said enough about Chicago. California. California fires. 
they're saying this is the, these fires in California are the biggest ever and will go down in history. And yet, the President of the United States haven't said anything basically about them. I haven't heard anything so far. Maybe you have. Maybe, uh, but I haven't. I mean, if Donald Trump would have said something, maybe he tweeted something about it, but you can't always tweet something. You have to get out there in front of the microphones and uh, tell America. But let's face it, folks. Trump doesn't really give a damn about California, and Californians know that. He doesn't care. He doesn't give a damn if the whole state burns down. They didn't vote for him. They don't like him. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he doesn't care. Uh, this man has got to go. One way or another. Either he drops dead or he resigns or he goes to prison. It has to be one way or another. America will never. I mean, I, You know what I think? A lot of people say, well, America, once Trump is gone, America is going to take years and years and years to get over. I agree with that, but I do think uh, his policies would disappear. The things he, the things that he has damaged, can be reversed. Because every every executive order that he has signed to hurt America can be reversed by the next president who gets into office. So people have to realize that the damage he's done can be reversed, at least some of it. Policy, policy-wise, it can be. But other than that, as, as far as talking about Donald Trump and talking about how a, what kind of person he is and criminology, criminality and uh, investigations and lies and name-calling, this stuff is going to go on un- <laughs> until the end of time talking about this jackass this way you know but Donald Trump would not be in office if the Republicans in Congress were not complicit something tell me something tells me that they are waiting um, for this investigation to be over they're waiting to get the documents from Robert Mueller to read his findings and what Trump has or haven't got to do with it. I, I before they decide to impeach, it, I, I don't think. I, I, actually, the way the Republicans have been behaving, if Mueller would, would send over uh, documents saying that Trump uh, raped somebody, and they had plenty of think that the Republicans will this um, will impeach him. Doesn't matter what he does. They don't, they're not going to impeach him. They need him. They need him to get this damn judge, uh, uh, this Supreme Court uh, nominee seated. They need him to cut Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, food. They, they need him to cut entitlement programs in order for him to fund his wall. If he's that damn rich, why can't he fund it himself? And if all of these billionaires and millionaires that are in the in Trump's ass, why couldn't they just put up the money themselves and, and uh, build a wall? Why do they have to gut Social Security, food stamps, Medicaid, Medicare, hurt people in order to keep people out? 
that's that's my thinking. I mean, you got all these billionaires that's in Trump's pocket. Why can't every all of these assholes chip in and and build a wall on their own? Not that we need it. I don't think we need a wall. I just have a feeling that Donald Trump's wall is going to not get built <laughs> for some reason because he'll be in prison. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and he just threw his son under the bus. Donald Trump Jr., he threw that guy under the bus. If you've been following it, if you've been uh, reading and listening, he just threw Donald Trump under the bus, Donald, his son under the bus, saying that he was at the meeting with, uh, uh, at Trump Tower with the Russians to try to get dirt on Hillary. How many times have these people denied that? How many times have they denied everything and, and, and just about everything they denied came true? I don't know. Uh, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, and we're having a great time, folks. It's still kind of uh, – it rained uh, really, really, uh, really pretty good a few hours ago. Now the rain has stopped. And the day is just as beautiful as if it never rained. But, but however, it's great that it rained because we need to rain. We really do need to rain. But it stopped. So, hey, if you guys are in the city of Chicago and you're enjoying the weather like I am, get out and enjoy it. Take a walk. You know, walk out there with your family. Get your dog. Take your dog for a walk or whatever. Uh, get out there and enjoy it because winter's coming. <laughs> and it's just around the corner too, folks. So, and uh, it's 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 a beautiful day in the city of Chicago. I just hope it's great where you are. Um, all right, we should be right back. We're gonna take a musical break. Hey everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. You are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
Young Turks now has audio, the TYT audio network, podcast of some of your favorite shows and new shows, including one with Nina Turner, former Ohio State Senator. No. She's going to do We the People with Nina Turner, talking about equality and justice and seeing that through the eyes of regular Americans who are affected by politics and policy. Everybody check it out at tyt.com slash audio. Harley Davidson, uh, the iconic motorcycle manufacturer, has decided to ship some of its jobs to the European Union following retaliatory uh, tariffs imposed by the EU in response to Donald Trump's tariffs. Huh, so it turns out a trade war, maybe not so good for the U.S. economy? Hmm. <laughs> maybe uh, antagonizing our allies is a bad idea? Hmm. I hope so, right. Farland's watching. I love him. So uh, Harley-Davidson said that it would shift some production of its iconic bikes overseas to avoid retaliatory tariffs imposed by the EU in response to President Trump's trade moves. Now, European tariffs on its motorcycles had increased to 31% from 6% and estimated that would add about $2,200 on average. But in the bullshit department, in the bullshit department, a businessman... I think the list of commandments was deliberately and artificially inflated to get it up to 10. It's a padded list. Here's what they did. About 5,000 years ago, a bunch of religious and political hustlers got together to try to figure out how to control people, how to keep them in line. They knew people were basically stupid and would believe anything they were told, so they announced that God had given them some commandments. Up on a mountain, when no one was around, God had given them the Ten Commandments. But let me ask you this. When they were sitting around making this shit up, why did they pick ten? Why ten? Why? I think the list of commandments was deliberately and artificially inflated to get it up to ten. It's a padded list. Here's what they did. About 5,000 years ago, a bunch of religious and political hustlers got together to try to figure out how to control people, how to keep them in line. They knew people were basically stupid and would believe anything they were told. So they announced that God had given them some commandments. Up on a mountain, when no one was around, God had given them the Ten Commandments. But let me ask you this. When they were sitting around making this shit up, why did they pick ten? Why ten? Why not nine or eleven? I'll tell you why. Because ten sounds official. Ten sounds important. They knew if it was 11, people wouldn't take it seriously. Say, so what, are you kidding me? The 11 commandments? Get the fuck out of here. But 10, 10 sounds important. 10 is the basis for the decimal system. It's a decade. It's a psychologically satisfying number. The top 10, the 10 most wanted, the 10 best dressed. So having 10 commandments was really a marketing decision. And to me... It's clearly a bullshit list. It's a political document artificially inflated to sell better. I'm going to show you how you could reduce the number of commandments and come up with a list that's a little more workable and logical. We're going to start with the first three, and I'll use the Roman Catholic version because those are the ones I was taught as a little boy. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt keep holy the Sabbath. Right off the bat, the first three, pure bullshit. <laughs> Sabbath, Sabbath day, Lord's name, strange gods. Spooky language. <laughs> Spooky language. 
designed to scare and control primitive people. In no way does superstitious nonsense like this apply to the lives of intelligent, civilized humans in the 21st century. You throw out the first three commandments, you're down to seven. Next, honor thy father and mother. Obedience, respect for authority. Just another name for controlling people. The truth is, obedience and respect should not be automatic. They should be earned. They should be based on the parent's performance. Parent's performance. Right? Some, some parents deserve respect. Most of them don't. Period. You're down to six. Now, in the interest of logic, something religion is very uncomfortable with, we're going to jump around the list a little bit. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Stealing and lying. Well, actually, these two both prohibit the same kind of behavior. Dishonesty, stealing, and lying. So you don't need two of them. Instead, you combine them and you call it, thou shalt not be dishonest. And suddenly, you're down to five. And as long as we're combining, I have two others that belong together. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Once again, these two prohibit the same kind of behavior, in this case, marital infidelity. The difference is coveting takes place in the mind, and I don't think you should outlaw fantasizing about someone else's wife. Otherwise, what's a guy going to think about when he's waxing his carrot? <laughs> but, but marital fidelity is a good idea, so we're going to keep the idea and call this one, Thou shalt not be unfaithful. And suddenly, we're down to four. But when you think about it, honesty and fidelity are really part of the same overall value. So in truth, you could combine the two honesty commandments with the two fidelity commandments and give them simpler language, positive language instead of negative, and call the whole thing, thou shalt always be honest and faithful, and we're down to three. Thou shalt, thou shalt, they're going away, they're going away fast. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. This one is just plain fucking stupid. <laughs> Coveting your neighbor's goods is what keeps the economy going. <laughs> Am I right? Your neighbor gets a vibrator that plays Oh Come All Ye Faithful. <laughs> you want to get one too. <laughs> coveting creates jobs. Leave it alone. You throw out coveting and you're down to two now. The big honesty and fidelity commandment. And the one we haven't talked about yet. Thou shalt not kill. Murder. The fifth commandment. But when you think about it. <laughs> when you think about it. Religion has never really had a big problem with murder. Not really. More people have been killed in the name of God than for any other reason. All you have to do. Yeah. Uh-huh. All you have to do is look at Northern Ireland, the Middle East, Kashmir, the Inquisition, the Crusades, and the World Trade Center to see how seriously the religious folks take thou shalt not kill. The more devout they are, the more they see murder as being negotiable. It's negotiable. You know? It depends. It depends. It depends on who's doing the killing and who's getting killed. So, with all of this in mind, I leave you with my revised list of the two commandments. <laughs> Thou shalt always be honest and faithful to the provider of thy nookie. <laughs> and thou shalt try real hard not to kill anyone. Unless, of course, they pray to a different invisible man from the one you pray to. 
Two is all you need. Moses could have carried him down the hill in his fucking pocket. And if they had a list like that, I wouldn't mind those folks in Alabama putting it up on the courthouse wall. As long as they included one additional commandment, thou shalt keep thy religion to thyself. Department. In the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe in awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day and the invisible man has a special list of ten things he does not want you to do and if you do any of these ten things he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time but he loves you He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all powerful, all perfect, all knowing and all wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. But, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. <laughs> something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. <laughs> something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. <laughs> and just between you and me, in between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. <laughs> and by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, so, <laughs> If, if, if there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit. Does he?
can give a shit, which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. So rather than be just another mindless religious robot, mindlessly and, and aimlessly and blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky, incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit, I decided to look around for something else to worship, something I could really count on. And immediately, I thought of the sun. Happened like that. Overnight, I became a sun worshiper. Well, not overnight, you can't see the sun at night. But first thing the next morning, I became a sun worshiper. Several reasons. First of all, I can see the sun. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Unlike some other gods I could mention, I can actually see the sun. I'm big on that. If I can see something, I don't know, kind of helps the credibility along, you know? So every day I can see the sun as it gives me everything I need. Heat, light, food, flowers in the park, reflections on the lake, and occasional skin cancer. But hey, <laughs> at least there are no crucifixions and we're not setting people on fire simply because they don't agree with us. Sun worship is fairly simple. There's no mystery, no miracles, no pageantry, no one asks for money, there are no songs to learn, and we don't have a special building where we all gather once a week to compare clothing. George Carlin on the... Everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is just about off the air. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and 
<laughs> tuning in and listening. Uh, you're so great. You're so wonderful. If it wasn't for you, I would not be here. I want to thank you for all your the good things that you say about the show. It's a little bit raunchy or political. It doesn't have to be political. It could be anything you want to talk about. Uh, if you got something you want to uh, share, just you know, give me a uh, drop a line and we'll see what we can do. Uh, anyway, I want to thank you for listening to the George Mata Jr. Show, and I hope you join me tomorrow and for the rest of the week on the George Wanda Jr. Show. It should be fun. Thank you so much, everybody. Goodbye, and have a good one. Let's see. What uh, what are we doing now? What are we doing now? Okay, so... <laughs> all right, so we're going to be doing Heaven Help Us All? All right, let's do that. All right, everybody, I want to thank you for uh, tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and make sure... You listen to the shows after they've recorded and podcasted. If you want to use the show, you can. It's okay as long as you're using it in a legal way. All right, everybody. Hope you join me tomorrow. Have a great evening. Bye-bye. Or a great morning or a great weekend, whichever one comes first. Bye-bye. Hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small.